Okay, let's get into God's word. So this year, we have a year-long discipleship question. Does anyone remember what it is? Do I trust God? That's right. And we're, we're exploring that question in all different arenas and areas of our life. Last week, Pastor Mark started a new series, a, a kind of a mini summer series called Trusting God in the Ups and Downs of Life. And we're looking at the life of Joseph of, from the Old Testament this summer. And turns out, as I've been visiting with some of you, Joseph is somewhat of a fan favorite Bible character. <laughs> Those of you who know his life, you really love how he lived for God and, and all of that. Now, some of you, you're like, who's Joseph? I know maybe Joseph, you know, the earthly father of Jesus. That's not the Joseph we're talking about. We're talking about Joseph in the Old Testament. And if you are unfamiliar with his story, we have our Bible reading plan this summer is designed for all of us to get to understand his story and to see how he was faithful to God through the ups and through the downs of his life. And the thing that I love about the Joseph narrative is that his story gives me a lot of hope that if he could trust God in the ups and downs of life, then maybe just maybe I can too. How many of you would agree with that? Well, the, the message that I'm sharing this morning is called trusting a word from God through the trials of life. I once heard someone say that everyone is either in a trial, just getting out of a trial, or just stepping into a trial. So we're gonna do a little survey here. Raise your hand if you are in the middle of a trial. Okay, you can put your hands down. Now raise your hand if you've just walked out of a trial. Okay, you know what that means for the rest of you. <laughs> You're getting ready to step into a trial. Now, I'm not trying to speak anything over anyone's life, anything negative or anything like that. Um, but just to show that life is full of tri trials, isn't it? And when I talk about trials, what I mean by that word is a trial is a test of faith. It's a test of patience or stamina through suffering or temptation, so that's what we're talking about when we talk about trials. It could be a physical trial, mental, emotional, relational, even financial type of trial. It's anything that tries your faith, tries your patience, tries your stamina. And if you're smack dab in the middle of a trial, I've got some good news for you today. So before we jump into our text, let's just take a moment and prepare our hearts through prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity to, to be in church this morning, whether that means physically here or participating via live stream. Thank you, Jesus. The only reason why we're able to be here is because of your life, your death, and your resurrection. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here with us to reveal Jesus and to speak to us through your word. We invite your presence to be here amongst us. Help us to remove distractions from our hearts and minds and to um, open up our hearts to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week when Mark started out our series, he did a, an overview of Joseph's life. And we learned through that overview that Joseph had a lot of trials through his life. And yet, through it all, we also see that Joseph 
um, trusted in God and that that trust in God was an anchor through the storms, the trials of his life. And I would like to submit for your consideration this morning that the reason why Joseph had a strong trust in God, even through his trials, is because he had a word from God that he was holding on to. And the main point of the message today is a word from God is powerful. It is stronger than anything else we might see or experience. And to trust what God says is an anchor through the trials of life. So if, when we, we look at the beginning of Joseph's life, we see that he had a dream. Remember this, and I'm going to just read this out of Genesis 37, 5 through 11. It says, one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think that you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of, of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, and his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. So this is how Joseph's story begins, with this dream that God had given him. Now, if we do the math, we'll see that it takes about 20 to 22 years for that specific dream to come to fruition in Joseph, Joseph's life. However, through the Joseph narrative, there are other dreams that take place, and we're going to look at, at, at both of those. And those dreams came to fruition a lot sooner than Joseph's dream came to fruition. Those happened within a matter of days, and in some cases, maybe um, the second one, maybe about less than a year. Um, and the cool thing here is that Joseph had a front row seat to how God was working through these dreams. How many of you like to have a front row seat to, to see the way that God is working? I do too. So the first instance that we see was a dream that was given and fulfilled within just three days. And this is the story that Mark shared last week about um, Joseph was in prison and to the prison came Pharaoh's chief um, cupbearer, the one who made his drinks and, and gave it to him. I guess you could call him a current day bartender maybe. <laughs> and then secondly, we have a baker that worked for Pharaoh. And both of these men found themselves in prison. It doesn't say exactly why, except for they displeased and offended Pharaoh. And while they came to the prison, while they were in the prison, Joseph looked over them. He, he had made his way up through the ranks of the prison, and these um, chief people that worked for Pharaoh were under his jurisdiction, so to speak. And one night, each of these men had a dream. And when they woke up the next morning, they, they looked kind of concerned and worried. And Joseph noticed and said, what, what's going on here, guys? What's, what's this look on your face all about? And they said, well, you know what? We both had dreams, and no one can tell us what they mean. 
And so I love this, um, the way this reads from the New Living Translation, Genesis 48. It says, interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. So it's like what he's saying here is this is God's business to interpret dreams and I'm God's man. So lay it out there for me and tell me what your dreams are. So we see that the chief cupbearer told his dream and I'm gonna read it to you. It says, in my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. Well, the chief baker was standing by and he observed everything that went down here and he thought, hmm, this went so well for the um, cupbearer. I'm, I'm going to now go ahead. I have the confidence to share my dream as well. So he says to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. <laughs> the birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Well, sure enough, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, just like um, Joseph interpreted that this would happen within three days. So three days later, Pharaoh's birthday came and he prepared a banquet for all of his officials, all of his staff, and he summoned from prison the chief cupbearer and the chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But scripture says Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Kind of like, you know, when you're in the middle of something, you think you'll never forget it. And then once you get out of it, you don't give it another thought. And that's exactly what happened with the chief cup bearer. But the thing I want you to notice in that portion of scripture is that there was a dream, God spoke something, and just three days later, it came to fruition. How many of you would wish that that's how God worked in your life every time too? I, I raise my hand, but how many of us also know when it takes longer th than three days, that's because God's wanting us to know him better as who he is, not just the things he does for us, but who he is. And that's what was going on in Joseph's life while he was waiting for the fruition of his dream. I want to share just one more dream with you. And this is a really interesting thing because through this narrative, that's the primary way that God speaks to um, the characters is through dreams. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Well, two years later... Joseph, uh, Pharaoh had a dream, and he had a dream that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River, and in his dream, he saw seven 
fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marshy grass. Then he saw seven um, skinny cows come up from the Nile. They were really scrawny and skinny and thin. And interestingly enough, those skinny cows began to eat those fat, healthy cows. And at that point, uh, Pharaoh woke up and he's like, oh my goodness, that was disturbing. (laughs) What, What was that all about? Fell back asleep. And then he had a second dream. And this time, he saw seven heads of grain, and they were very plump and beautiful and, and full, growing on one single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled up and withered by the wind. And these thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads of grain. And Pharaoh woke up again, and he was like, oh my goodness, these two dreams are very disturbing. And so he called for all of his magicians and his wise men, and he told them the dreams. And interestingly enough, none of those wise men, none of those magicians were able to interpret Joseph's dream. Finally, Uh, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up and he said, hmm, today I have been reminded of my failure. Some time ago, you were angry with me and you put me in prison. And while I was there, I had a dream. And remember, you also put that um, baker in prison because you were angry angry with him too. And we each had dreams and we didn't know what they, they meant. And so when we woke up, there was a man in the prison named Joseph and he told us what our dreams meant. And sure enough, those, that, what he said was true because within three days, what he said was gonna happen, happened. And so Pharaoh called for Joseph, brought him out of the prison. He, he was clean shaven, given some new clothes, cleaned up, and he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means, but I have heard that you hear about a dream and you can interpret it. And I love this because Joseph says, it is beyond my power to do this. Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. So Pharaoh told Joseph the dream, Joseph interpreted the dream and explained that this means that for the next seven years, there's gonna be a a time of plenty, a time of feast, so to speak. And for seven years, you're gonna have plenty of food. But for the following seven years, it's gonna be a time of famine and you are going to not have enough food. And so what would be really smart for you to do would be for during those seven years for you to store up all the extra that God provides for you so that during the lean years, you will have enough grain to feed people. And Pharaoh was like, hmm, that's a great idea. And to make a long story short, he said, you know what? None of these other wise men were able to tell me what my dream meant, but you did. And so I'm gonna invite you to come and be that person who manages this feeding program. And so that sets Joseph up to to do that. And let me share with you one quick thing here too. Um, In this particular instance of this dream and its fruition, there was a pretty quick turnaround. Genesis 41, 32 says, and this was when Joseph was speaking to Pharaoh, as for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. So Joseph didn't have to wait a long time to see the fruition of this dream that God spoke. So 
I can imagine that these dreams and their quick fruition really had a strong um, impact on Joseph while he was waiting for God to answer his dream and to make his dream come to fruition. That was a faith builder for him because he saw God speak and then God act and that gave him confidence and courage to hold on to something that he was waiting for. Now I wanna talk about these dreams for a minute because in the context of the scripture here, we can see that these dreams, this wasn't like a daydream. This wasn't like I have a dream or a hope something will happen. This, the context here is these people were sleeping and they had a dream. And when they woke up, it, it meant something. This isn't like your garden variety dream that you might have after eating anchovies on your pizza. That's not the kind of dream that we're talking about here. We're talking about dreams that are, were prophetic and dreams that were the way that God used to talk to people, to speak to them, and to tell them what was coming up in the future. And so you, these dreams were considered a word from God, a word for God. So I, that brings up a question. I'm just wondering, has anyone here had a dream like we're talk, what we're talking about here, where you dreamt something and then it came to fruition in your life? Like when you were sleeping, you had a dream and it came to fruition in your life. Okay, a handful of hands, okay. It's not a common thing in our day and age, is it? However, culturally, this was very common. <clears throat> and ancient people believed that dreams were one of the primary ways that the gods, or in this case, the one true God, Elohim, spoke to people. And because this was such a common practice during that time, we notice in Genesis 41.8 that Pharaoh called, when he had his dream, he called for all those magicians and wise men to, to come and interpret to the, his dream. So because they believed that dreams were the gods speaking, Pharaoh had people in his employee who that was their job was to interpret and to tell Pharaoh what those dreams meant. And according to one commentary that I read, ancient Eastern culture assumed that what was revealed in a dream may subsequently be actualized in historical fact. So a dream was going to come true. It was, it was fact. And that's how powerful ancient people believed um, dreams to be. So it's really interesting here that God uses um, this context and this historical way of doing things for um, Joseph to come in and open the door for him to come in and interpret the dreams that people had. Another thing that I want us to note through these dreams, um, the example of these three dreams, is that the words of God spoken through dreams were too powerful to kill and they did come to pass. So when we look at Joseph's life, remember when um, he was coming to check on his brothers and they see him from a distance? Um, I'm reading Genesis 37, 18 to 20. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, this was before they sold him into slavery, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him, then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Well, how many know here? There was nothing that anyone could do to stop what God had spoken. Joseph's brothers were unable to follow through with their plans to kill Joseph or his dreams, because God's words can't be silenced, and what he speaks, he fulfills. 
what he says comes to fruition. And we see that also in the narrative with the chief baker and, and um, cupbearer, that what God spoke, it did come to fruition in three days. The last thing I want to note in, um, about dreams here is that God didn't only give dreams to individuals for their specific lives, although he did that in three of those cases, but the dream that God gave to Pharaoh directed the course of two entire nations, both Egypt and Israel. And this is really quite dramatic when you stop to think about it, that God speaks to Pharaoh about what's coming up. Seven years of plenty, seven years of want. And that prompted the whole Egyptian government <laughs> to change what they were doing for 14 years. It directed the course and the future of Egypt, but it also directed the course and the future of Israel as well. Because this dream here sets up the narrative that's going to continue in the book of Exodus for the nation of Israel, that Jacob and his 11 brothers would travel to Egypt to get their food. They discover Joseph. They'd be invited to live there in the land, the best area of Egypt, for the rest of their lives. And then after that, the pharaoh of that time dies and then one of the future pharaohs starts to enslave the people of God. And that's when God rose up Moses to come and deliver them. So that one dream of the cows and the, the heads of grain, it directed not just an individual's life, but two nations. That's how powerful dreams are. That's how powerful um, God is when he speaks to us. And as we look through dreams in Joseph's life, Joseph's life, it solidifies the main point of the message today that a word of God is powerful, right? Word of God, word from God is so powerful. It's stronger than anything else that you might see or you might experience and to trust what God says is an anchor through the trials of life. So when, when God spoke to Joseph at the beginning of this story in Genesis 37, Joseph was only 17 years old. And that dream that God gave him was very, very impactful. It was so powerful that it was stronger than anything else that Joseph experienced. And he experienced a lot, didn't he? Um, it saw him through the lowest of lows in his life, being mistreated by his family, being trafficked by his brothers, being falsely accused by his boss, Potiphar's wife, then spending years in prison, including being forgotten there for two years after he interpreted the cupbearer's dream. All of those life experiences that Joseph experienced were not stronger than the word that God spoke to him. And that's an important thing for us to, to remember. And, and because of that, throughout the whole narrative, we see Joseph trusting God and trusting that what God said to him would come to fruition. We don't see him being tossed about by the storms and trials of life. He remains steady and he remains anchored. He believed that what God said, um, and that was an anchor for his life. So we clearly see God speaking. God was speaking throughout Joseph's life story. But I want to move this into application here. God is speaking through your life story as well. Just like God was spoke, speaking throughout Joseph's life story, God is speaking throughout your life story as well. And there are many ways that God speaks to us today. 
He does continue to speak through dreams, visions, prophecies. He speaks through quiet time with him. He speaks through listening to a message or a podcast. He speaks through reading the Bible on your own or through the counsel of other Christ followers. A lot of people explain the way God speaks like the still small voice of God's spirit that you just know deep inside of you. Through worship, through prayer, even through nature. And just like it was for Joseph, when you get, when I get, when we get a word from God, it's powerful. And it's stronger than anything else that you might be going through, through anything else that you might be experiencing. A word from God will see you through the trials of life. Because a word from God can't be altered. A word from God cannot be taken away. It's not based on our behavior, right? <laughs> we can really, really blow it. And, and God's word does not change to us when he has spoken. It cannot be altered or revoked by circumstances. A word from God gives you um, hope and encouragement when circumstances or life seems hopeless. And you can stand on a word from God and allow it to guide your life, just like um, Pharaoh and Joseph did there. That changed the whole course of the future. And how many of us know when God gives us a word, if he gives us a word for our family, for future generations, it can change the course of our, our future and of our family's future as well. And so then we have a choice to make. Are we going to trust the word God has given us or are we gonna just kind of push it, push it to the side? And so I want you to just think about your own personal life for a moment. At the beginning, I mentioned that um, everyone is either in a trial, just coming out of a trial, or just stepping into a trial. And the thing about trials is that they feel really, really powerful, don't they? <laughs> How many of you have help, had strong feelings about trials that have gone on in your life? It, it's pretty natural for that for you to feel that way. And so much so that for those of you who aren't real feelers, how many can relate to the, that it can be the thing that you think about a lot, the thing that's in your mind a lot. It's, and it even can be something that becomes a main focus of our life. And so when, if you're in the thick of a trial or maybe if you're heading into a trial or maybe five years down the road, you're in a, a, a big trial, I think the best thing that we can do when we're in, the tri in a trial is to go back and think about what is the last thing that God spoke to you. Focus on that. Focus on the last thing that God spoke to you. And it might not even have to do specifically with the trial, but what, what is something that God has spoken to you that you can focus on? Because it's so easy to focus on circumstances, focus on trials, instead of focusing on what God has said. And for our, us to, to keep trusting a word from God through our trials, we need to proactively and aggressively keep in front of you the most recent thing God has spoken to you. So that, that takes being proactive, that takes even being aggressive, because how many of us know that life circumstances and even the enemy of our souls will want to come against us and to try to focus us on anything else besides the truth of God that he has spoken to us. 
And if you're in a trial and, and you're like, but I don't even know what God has spoken to me. And, and that that's happens. So the first step then for us is to get a word from God, get in the word of God. And this is one of, this to me is how God speaks to me the most is through the scripture. This is a Bible that Mark gave to me back when I had my maiden name. And for our anniversary a few years ago, he finally made it official and put my new last name on the top of this Bible. (laughs) But this is a treasure to me. God's word is a treasure to me. And that is most often how he speaks to me. And if I were to open this up and show you, um, there's lots of notes in this Bible. There's dates on this Bible. One thing that I started doing several years ago is anytime I'd read a specific chapter of the Bible, I'd put a little check mark by that chapter. I wish I would have started that when I first got this Bible, but um, there's no time like the present. So um, when I was growing up, Mark and I had a youth leader who told us that um, people with messed up Bibles don't have messed up lives. <laughs> and what that means is that doesn't mean you're never going to have a trial. That never means you're never going to go through hard things. But what it does mean is this is, is what you are hanging on to. And so to get a word from God, the, in my opinion, one of the best ways to do that is to get in the word of God. Because this is what he has already spoken, right? And so you learn to hear his voice when you read his word. And the other amazing thing is as you read God's word, it really roots itself deep down into your heart. There'll be times that I'm praying that I pray a scripture and I, I might not be able to tell you where it is, but I know it's from God's word. And so to get a word from God, get in the word of God. I love Romans 15, four that says, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. This might be a word that God has for some people here. This might be your word from God that you need to hold on to. That that the things in his word were written to teach us and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for his promises to be fulfilled. I heard a quote this past week from um, a guy named Samuel Johnson, and he said, people need to be reminded much more often than they need to be instructed. (laughs) People need to be reminded much more than they need to be instructed. And I wonder how many times throughout Joseph's life did he have to remind himself of the word that God had given him? How many times in the struggle of self-pity or doubt or weariness did he get off track until he would remind himself, hey, Joe, (laughs) what was that dream that God gave to you? Go back to that. Hang on to that. Remember that. And we, too, need to remind ourselves what God has spoken to us. And if we have a trial that is too burdensome or it lasts for a long, drawn-out period of time, that's when it's time for us to reach out to the family of God. You see, the thing about Joseph's life is it, it's, there's never in the narrative where it tells that someone came alongside him to encourage him. It was basically just him and God. And I personally think that's probably why he became such a, a strong man of faith, because it was just him and God. We are blessed. If we look around this room, if we look at the people in our life who are other Jesus followers, we are part of a Christian community and we get to help each other remember 
the words God has spoken to us. That's what this is all about. That's part of our job for one another. For many months, I've been really impressed by a sense of urgency that time on this earth is, is really short, much shorter than we maybe even realize. And when we gather as a family, I wanna just throw out a challenge there to, to myself and to us that when we gather together, let's have heart-to-heart -heart conversations about what God is speaking in our lives. Let's not just ask each other how our week has been, although that's really great too, right? But we wanna ask each other what God has been speaking to us through his word, through times of prayer, or through podcasts we're listening to. And then when we're with someone and we or they don't know what God is speaking to us, what a great opportunity for us to just go to him right there in prayer and say, God, what are you speaking to my sister, to my brother right now in their life? Um, Mark told me that another favorite part of his time up at camp this past week is that when the kids would get in the boat, he would say to them, what new thing did you learn about Jesus today? Isn't that a great question? Because Jesus, through the power of his spirit, through his word, is continually teaching us new things day by day. And we wanna be the type of family where that's what we're talking about. Those are the heart-to-heart -heart questions. And it might feel a little bit uncomfortable to do that, but this is a, a great safe place with other brothers and sisters to say, hey, what is God speaking to you? Because the thing is, let's say Jordan, I ask him, and I have asked him before, what's God doing in your life? Then I now know how to pray for Jordan I now know if I ever see Jordan walking around grumpy, which I never do, um, that I can say to him, remember what God spoke to you. I remember that and I want you to remember it too. I had an experience of this this very past week and it was totally a God thing. Um, and it really hit home to me about how important it is to help others remember what God has spoken to them. And the cool thing about this was I was on the receiving end of it and it was such a cool blessing to me. So on Wednesday this past week, I came into the church and on my desk was a card with my name written on it. And when I opened it up and read, I read it, there were some really wonderful, encouraging words in that card to me. And part of, of it was an, ad, um, an admonishment, an admonishment to hang on to a specific word that God had given me out of Jeremiah over two years ago. And as I was reading this card, something flipped out of the card and it was this charm that I'm wearing on my necklace. And this sister in Christ had taken that scripture that I had shared with them and she's been praying it with me and she had it engraved on this heart necklace for me and she encouraged me to put it on or to put it somewhere where I would remember it. Now this is my necklace, this cross necklace is a necklace that I wear every day to remind me of Jesus, to remind me that I am Jesus's and that I live to serve Jesus but I don't think Jesus would mind that I put this word that he had given me onto this cross as well. But those words written in that card and that charm reminded me that this word of God that I've been holding on to for over two years is stronger 
than anything else that I'm currently seeing or I'm currently experiencing. And that meant so much to me, it was so thoughtful that it kind of put a fire under me for me to be that kind of sister for others because I knew how important that was to me. I want to be that kind of person who reminds people what God has spoken to them. How about you? And that's part of being in the body of Christ together. Getting a word from the Lord and then proactively and aggressively keeping it in front of you is an important spiritual discipline. And here's the reason why. If we don't believe that what God says is more powerful than our circumstances, our faith is going to be really weak. Our faith is going to be puny. (laughs) And then we are going to be tossed back and forth through the storms of life. And God has more for us than that. He doesn't want us to be tossed back and forth. He wants us to be strong and full of his might. And he wants to raise each and every one of us up to be a hero of the faith. And that's how I want to end my message. Because Joseph is a hero of the faith. And worship team, I think we will have you come up and we're going to sing um, our opening song again as we close here. So Joseph is a hero of the faith and so much so that he even made it into the Heroes Hall of Fame. Do you know where that is? Hebrews 11, the Heroes Hall of Fame. And from Joseph's life, we see that faith begets faith. That trust gives birth to more trust. Joseph trusted what God spoke to him through a dream when he was a teenager. And 20 years later, it came to fruition. But during those 20 years, he saw God's words come to pass time and time again. And that built his faith to trust God even more. In fact, at the very end of his life, we see that he is still trusting God to do something that would happen long after his life was over. Now that's some faith. He wasn't even going to be able to see it with his own eyes, but he had seen it with the eyes of faith. And so I want to close by looking at this one last thing. So when Joseph's father Jacob and his brothers were moving to Egypt, God met Jacob and spoke to him. So now we're not talking about Joseph, we're talking about his dad, Jacob, okay? Um, I'm gonna read this to you from Genesis 46, one through four. It says, so, jo- so Jacob set out for Egypt with all his, all his possessions, and when he came to Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. During the night, God spoke to him in a vision. Jacob, Jacob, he called. Here I am, Jacob replied. I am God, the God of your father, the voice said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make your family into a great nation. I will go with you down to Egypt, and I will bring you back again. Then down in Genesis 48, 21, Jacob is getting ready to die. And he says these final words, the words that God spoke to him, he's now passing them on to the next generation, to his son Joseph. And he says, look, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and will take you back to Canaan, the land of your ancestors. Take it one step further. Now Joseph is about to die. He's at the end of his life and he is still holding on to the word that God has spoken to his father, Jacob. In Genesis 50, 24 to 25, soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers. 
but God will surely come to help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath, and he said, when God comes to help you and lead you back, you must take my bones with you. He was holding on to that word so tight that he said, this is going to happen. And because I know, because God has spoken and I've seen God come through on the words that he has spoken to me, I need you to promise me that you're gonna take my bones back to, to the promised land. Joseph was a hero of the faith. And this is what is said about him in the Hero Hall of Fame, Hebrews 11:22. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. Joseph was confident because God had never failed to make good on the promise that he gave him. Joseph knew that a word from God was powerful, that it was stronger than anything else he saw or experienced in his life. And because of that, he held on to that trust. And that trust that he had in God was an anchor through the t- trials of life. When I was working on, on this message um, one evening, I felt like the Lord just spoke something in my heart and it, it was meant for the older people in the room. Now, let me just set this up a minute, okay? Because you know here at Cheney Faith Center that we are all about the next generation, right? And, and we love that. And that's what we know God has called us to do. But I want to speak to those of the older generations for a moment because we can't do what we're doing with this next generation without you. And so the word that I believe that God spoke to me and I really want you to be listening. And this is for anyone who's around 50 years old or older, okay? Um, you, you are heroes of the faith. God has seen you hold on to words that he has spoken to you. For some, some of those words still haven't come to fruition yet. And for some, they might not even come to fruition until after your lifetime. Don't let go of the word God has spoken to you. Cling to it. Believe it. Not just for you, but for those who are coming along behind you. Model to the next generation what trusting God looks like. Show them that a word from God is powerful, that it's stronger than anything else you may experience or you may see in your lifetime. Show them that trusting God is an anchor through the trials of life. Be so confident in the word of God that that is your legacy. That's what you leave behind to the next generation because they need you. We need you. And with that, let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word that we can hold on to. Thank you, Lord, that you give us um, your word to help anchor us and help, uh, help us trust in you. And Lord, there's some of us who have um, 
just through the dailiness of life, we have forgotten some of what you have spoken to us. I pray that you would bring that back up in Jesus' name that you would help us to be people who proactively and aggressively hold on to the word that you have given us. We are not gonna let the enemy snatch away any word that you have given us. And I believe that there might be someone here today who that has happened to. You have allowed the enemy to snatch away a word that God has deposited and given you in your life. And if that is you, I just encourage you to make that right with God right now and ask him to restore you and to restore that back into your life. We speak against hopelessness. We speak against lies. We speak against just the daily business of life. And God, we say that we are yours, that we are looking to you, that we are trusting you, and that we will receive what you have for us and we will hold on to it. And that we will be your people who help each other to remember the words that you have spoken. Because your words are powerful. Your word, the Bible, is powerful. I pray that you would give us a hunger and a thirst, an insatiable hunger, an insatiable thirst for your word so that we can know what you have spoken and so that we can hang on to it in Jesus's name. Thank you, Jesus, that you are so good. You are so faithful and we never have to worry about you being unfaithful to us. You are our faithful God and we want to be your faithful people and we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Would you stand so we could close in song?